0: The start on demand. on demand. Hey, it's Brett, and it's a special edition of the podcast for the start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb were live on location outside 201 Portage from six to ten a.m. on Wednesday, as we discussed a whole bunch of things related to Portage in Maine as we head into the election this fall, where you get a chance to vote on whether or not Portage in Maine should reopen or stay closed. Some of the highlights in the podcast that you're going to hear today include architect Brent Bellamy going head-to-head against city councillor Jeff Brawati. Bellamy is on Team Open. Brawati is on Team Closed. You will also hear from the director of the Institute of Urban Studies at the University of Winnipeg, is opening Portage and Main a good idea from an urban planning perspective. You'll hear from one of the property owners at Portage and Main. Artist Reet will weigh in on the conversation on whether or not it is a good idea. And why did they close it in the first place? Did you ever wonder why? Well, Loren McNabb is going to give you a bit of a history lesson.
1: two of the most vocal spokespeople, maybe unofficially on either side of this issue. Uh, Brent Bellamy, he is the chair of Sender Venture. He is also architect and uh, very, very active on social media, of course, with uh, number 10 architectural group and city councillor for North Kildonan, Jeff Burwati. And uh, Jeff, I think it's fair to say that part of the reason we are having this plebiscite is the fact that You wanted this, you've demanded this, and your cohorts and city council almost unanimously voted in favor of making this a plebiscite. Why are we voting on this? Why do you think it's important? There are so many important issues happening in our city right now. Why are we, in a sense, being forced to concentrate on this issue singularly?
2: I don't think anyone pretends that this is the most important issue facing Winnipeggers. We've got a meth crisis, we've got a million and one things going on, our streets are crumbling, we have groundwater incidents, there's a lot of really uh, major problems in our city. The reality was, when it came to the portage and Main issue, uh, I just believed that the mayor was on the wrong side of it and we were going down the track to go the wrong way. It looked like everything was lining up for it to open up. This was a way to get it in front of Winnipeggers, to have a conversation about it, and, in, in, and my hope is that uh, we'll stop it and we'll see common sense prevail.
3: If this was to happen today, if we were to have this the 1979 vote now, Brent, knowing what we know about how the idea was to bring more people downtown, um, get them to shop in the underground, which we get texts from people who didn't even know that they shopping that exists down there. Do you think that the 1979 vote would pass in 2018 to shut this intersection down to pedestrians?
4: It would never happen today. It was an absolute 1970s ideal to separate people from cars. Today, we're, we, we're doing everything we can to bring people back to the center of the city, and, and there's no way it would happen. And if you look at cities across the world, they're doing the exact opposite. They're they're taking streets away, they're narrowing streets, they're bringing people back, and and that's what we we shouldn't be stuck in the 70s. We need to look forward.
0: Brent, you have been, as we've mentioned, you've been uh, one of the most outspoken proponents for opening Portage in Maine. What drives your passion as it relates
4: to the subject? You know, 15,000 people spend every single day at Portage in Maine. If it was a city. It would be the third largest city in Manitoba. It should be the most vibrant and active place in our downtown, that kind of density. But really those concrete walls built to repel people for two generations has made it the exact opposite. If you go stand at that corner and do a 360 degree turn, you don't see a single restaurant, cafe, storefront, service, anything for those 15,000 people. It is an absolute dead zone. And that's the heart of our city. If you're a tourist or a a corporation coming to invest in our city that's what you see those crumbling walls and those empty sidewalks and I don't think that's right.
1: Councillor Barati I know uh, what a big proponent you are for the city of Winnipeg I know you've traveled uh, you do not live in a cocoon why is it that you feel that this is the right way to go because when I hear Brent talk about uh, this intersection being devoid of human activity at the street level I have to concur with him. It's weird when you see a group of people walking together on Portage Avenue or on Main Street near this intersection. Why would we not want to promote that? What what should we be doing if we're not going to open the intersection? How are we going to promote people coming back to this intersection?
2: If you look at the financial districts of a lot of major major cities, huge office towers, there isn't necessarily a lot of street-level animation. I mean, the first time I went to New York City, I mean, Wall Street, uh, you know, young... Uh, uh, financial person, I'm interested in you know the, the free market center of the world. You go down there; it's not all that impressive. There's not all that much street level animation there. We were just in Paris earlier this year. Uh, their big financial area, their big office towers, aren't you know anywhere near the Eiffel Tower or the Champs Elysees. It's over uh, in an area called La Defense. Not that impressive. You look at the street level animation in that area. There's not a lot going on there. You go half a block though. In the case here of, of Portage and Main, you have the Exchange District. You've got a lot of really neat character buildings. You got a lot of local shops and restaurants. A lot of that um, animation that we used to see in the 1970s is actually coming back within half a block.
3: But why not give them the option then to move from the Exchange District, cross the street, go to a ball game, head over to the Forks? Yes, I know there's other routes that you can get to get there, but g- people have the options. You mentioned Paris and, and New York. They have the ch- they, if they want to, they can go down and see it for themselves. And so you, the connectivity that we keep talking about is missing here.
2: Right. I mean, we don't have freeways, we don't have auto routes, you know, here here in Winnipeg, We have 81,000 vehicle movements today that go through Portage and Main. If you were starting, to, uh, you know, if you were designing a city from scratch, if you were playing Sim City, you wouldn't build a city like that. The alternatives, though, are worse. I mean, in the 1960s, there were plans, uh, there's a model in the uh, foyer of the uh, the concert hall that shows a freeway along Waterfront Drive, where, where Waterfront Drive is today, bulldozing all the neat historic buildings that are there, the historic pump house, everything else, just gone. Instead, we have Portage and Main. I mean, I'm not against, you know, doing what we've done with bike lanes, for example, on McDermott and, and Princess. I mean, I, it's a good artery for people to use bikes and to, to you know, have those alternatives. Um, just when it comes to Portage and Maine, uh, it's going to slow down that 81,000 vehicle movements daily.
1: Brent, what do you say to what Jeff just had to say about connectivity, street-level activity in Paris and Wall Street? and these other uh, financial centers
4: of, of their respective cities. I think it'd be pretty hard pressed to find anywhere in Paris and New York that are void of activity. But beyond that, um, just because there's other places that don't have people doesn't mean we should not have people in the center of our city. It's really one, blo- one intersection. We're not talking about an entire district. If we bring down those walls, we're suddenly connecting all the great things that are happening in downtown Winnipeg. The jets are totally revitalizing Three blocks away, the Exchange District has ten times more people living in it than in the year 2000. The Forks is building a 3,000-person residential district. We're building the tallest building in Winnipeg right at Portage and Main. Portage and Main can be part of that, the the new Winnipeg for what's happening. Bring the, the great things that are happening in Winnipeg. It it's, it should be part of that.
0: Brent, uh, we had a we had a text message earlier saying, you know what? I don't want to listen to Portage and Main all morning. We've got a meth crisis that's uh, growing daily. People are starting to get concerned with other other things in the city. But when it comes to cost, we've got $6.1 million for the cost of removing the barriers with room for cost overruns, $5.5 million for the cost of new buses and routes for transit, $3 million to unknown estimated cost of repairing the barriers and refreshing infrastructure at Portage and Main that's in the grand scheme, that's not a ton of money, but that still is a lot of money when we have other things that we need to worry about. So is this an unwise, to those who say that we should spend the money elsewhere, what do you say to them?
4: With a construction cost of 6.1 million, just to put, that sounds like a ton of money to me and you, to put that into perspective, the city now has 82 capital projects happening. I totally agree, it's not the the top priority for Winnipeg, but bringing people back to the center of our city, making it safe, to feel safe, making it accessible so you can actually cross the street in a wheelchair not using five elevators and two ramps that is absolutely not acceptable in a city in 2018 it has to be at least in the top 82 like if we think about what project number 82 is on our list that we've prioritized we're talking about some pretty mundane public works projects so if number 83 goes it's even lower on the list it's i get i totally accept that Portage Maine is not the number one thing but it has to be in our top 82 it's the center of our city
1: well unfortunately it's been forced to the forefront by this plebiscite and Councillor Burwati I just you know you and I've had this discussion over the years there are many projects just in our part of the city because Jeff is my city councillor and within a three mile radius of where you and I live there are over a half a billion dollars worth of public infrastructure projects that have been completed in the last four to six years another one's going to open at the intersection of Lamoier and highway 59 a billion dollars in that corner of the city quite easily none of them went to a plebiscite
2: no again in my mind this the, the issue here is the symbol I mean you're spending money and in my mind we're actually making the situation worse like even if it was it cost zero dollars I believe debt. it's gonna be a detriment to everybody. We're taking the, you know, these, these are traffic engineers. This isn't me making it up. We're taking it from a level B intersection in
4: terms of the way it performs today to a level D as in Dave. I mean, if A D, you, a D a, a is standard part, a standard intersection, though. You have, you have to say that. It sounds bad. D sounds bad. It is bad. D is a standard urban intersection. Every other intersection in the city, in downtown, is a D or a C. So that's why the traffic effects are so minimal, because it's, it, you the have traffic Ds effects all around microphone. it. They're, they're absolutely... They minimal.
2: They're 54 seconds in the afternoon and 18 in the Every morning. Every bus going to North Donut over the Disraeli, you're looking at a three-minute delay. All the all those eastbound turns are going to be That is absolutely huge not problem. true.
4: It's, that that, is, that's
2: just at the intersection. It doesn't uh, pick no, up the compounding effects through the it downtown. It does pick On up the buses, No, no that's Jeff, wrong.
4: you're wrong. It does pick up the compounding. The distances that you see in the tra- in the Dylan traffic report are not at the intersection. They're at... They're taking... They need to the entire one point eight million
2: dollars every year for additional transit just to keep things at, at, as they are today, and that's not good enough. People are getting passed by by buses that are full.
4: You're trying to pretend that those buses are like Venetian gondolas going back and forth across the intersection. If they, if we buy new buses if they had for, to the,
2: take for the average one
4: minute delay to get across Portage and Main, we will have those buses servicing the rest of the city for ninety nine percent of the time, ninety nine point nine percent of the time. So you can't pin the cost of buses on Portage and Maine. That's but I do, happening.
0: I do need to put a pin on this conversation. Unfortunately, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. We are out of time. Uh, Brent Bellamy, architect with Number Ten Architectural Group. He's a columnist, chair of Center Venture, and Jeff Rawadi, city councilor. Thank you so much for coming to visit us today.
3: Why was it closed in the first place? Monday to Friday, this intersection sees 15,000 people at port germain It's the densest intersection in the city during the weekday. But when Winnipeg was taking shape, many people, leaders, didn't want Port-au-Germain to be the hub at all. You have to go back to a time before cars. A time when streets were nothing more than dust and dirt to imagine how things once looked at Portage of Maine.
5: It really was kind of a no-man's land, almost. And the only thing it had going for it was you had the main road, which was the kind of cart trail that went from upper Fort Gary to lower Fort Gary, And you had the Portage Road, which kind of meandered out eventually to Portage-la-Prairie.
3: As historian Christian Cassidy likes to tell it, this area was really nothing more than a swamp.
5: Henry McKenney bought it in 1861 to put up a general store and it was it was dirt cheap land but he somehow thought that hey you know eventually all this land around here is going to grow the population is going to grow it's going to be a good place to put a store.
3: He wasn't the only one in 1875 the city wanted to grade the intersection at Main Street and what was once known as Portage Road the idea was to make it more accessible to both horse and pedestrians but the Hudson's Bay Company had other plans
5: the Hudson's Bay had laid out Broadway and York and Graham and all of these streets, hoping that the, this new city that they're downtown would end up on that side of the street. Uh, the city, of course, wanted it on its side of the HBC boundary. So when they went to apply to Great Portage Road, uh, the HBC actually took them to court uh, to uh, to stop them. They wanted anybody who set foot on the Portage Road to become, uh, you know, to be charged with trespassing.
3: Because they want Broadway to be the... The, the route chosen by That's him.
5: right, that's right. They wanted everything to move a little further south.
3: HBC lost that battle and slowly but surely Porta Germain was born. So eventually banks flocked here, businesses. But in 1979, the downtown was dying. People were coming downtown to work, but they weren't staying after 5 p.m. So the Trisac Corporation made a pitch. It would build on an empty lot on the southwest corner and an underground mall, now known as Winnipeg Square, would come with it. But according to Christian Cassidy, historian, in exchange, the city had to help build up that proposed underground mall by barricading the corner and building an underground concourse that would direct people to those shops and restaurants.
5: The city was really kept taken to the cleaners by Trizac. That was the main reason why the concourse got built. It really had nothing to do with traffic flow or safety or anything like that. It was really to get people to shop at the Trizac mall. The city was, uh, you know, being asked to spend a lot of money to drive people into this developer's uh, developers mall, who in the end took off without uh, ever completing the project that they were supposed to.
3: And part of that deal, Trizec was supposed to build a hotel Mm -hmm. and a second tower, and that never came. And so a lot of people talk about the idea that it was a safety issue. Uh, We're live streaming this debate right now and this conversation on our Facebook pages at CGOB as well as Global. And a lot of the comments coming in, people who used to drive through that intersection in the 70s said it was too dangerous for pedestrians. But that's not why it was closed. It was a business deal.
1: And that second tower is coming now. And it's coming in the form of an apartment building. It's going to be the tallest building in Winnipeg and home to as many as 700 people. That wasn't envisioned 40 years ago. I think we can admit that we've done some things wrong and the vision has changed for our city, for our downtown. It's clearly changed over the century plus that Winnipeg's been a city since 1874. I can imagine Broadway as being that main thoroughfare once upon a time, although... Surprise, surprise, it had a dead end at it at the Union Station right at Main Street. You know, every Main Street it feels as though in Winnipeg has some sort of dead end. So that would have been apropos, I suppose. But here we are, and I think it's unfair to imagine that we can't undo something that was uh, done improperly back in the day. $80 million in today, or well, I guess $80 million was the price tag then. And 262 million in today's dollars. In today's dollars. dollars, and we had a text message someone said, We're going to spend 15 million to make up for an $80 million mistake. Well, yeah, maybe we are.
0: Do you think that reopening Portage in Maine will hurt the businesses that are underground in Winnipeg Square?
1: I don't know. Uh, all I do know is that in the immediate concourse area where people are directed and have to walk around that giant piece of art in the middle. Uh, there aren't too many shops and services there. You're going to have this apartment building. The artist development isn't going anywhere. 201 Portage, they've just redeveloped their lower level. And the Richardson building between there and the Fairmont, that's a, a gorgeous little mall in there. And I think that depends more on people who work in the Richardson building and who are in the in the hotel versus people that are coming far and wide to use those businesses and services. But it's
3: a fair que- question, Brett, because you have those businesses who signed a lease on the premise that thousands of people are going to be driven underground. Is that fair to them to suddenly reopen them? Well, meeting? it's and not where suddenly. That, where does that
1: leave them? It's not suddenly, R- Loren. This was the demarcation point when this agreement could be torn up, when it could be revisited, and here we are. And uh, all legal documents being what they are, I suspect that if they look closely enough, uh, anybody who signed a lease would know
3: that this option was coming in twenty nineteen. And winter is not going away. Well the, the, I work down here, is the underground. That's what I, I'm I worked down here for eight years. At some point in every single winter, you decide you're not going outside if you don't have to because you don't want to. And those businesses are down there for lunch. They're not open at the supper hour. They're down there for the business community that will still be down here. It is a fair question to the businesses, though. But but I'd like to believe that in those in those uh, cold months, you're still going to have a lot of people go down Options.
1: Options. We all like options. director of the institute of urban studies at the university of winnipeg joins us now and uh, gino this conversation i could have never uh, imagined it getting to this point i know we are very divided as a community on this subject but i think loren asked maybe the most important question that you could ask to set this up if we were having this plebiscite today based on what they were proposing in 1977-78 to start construction in 1979, would we be voting in favor of forcing all pedestrian traffic underground?
6: I don't think so. I think today's approach to planning is much different than it was. But again, as I remind people, in 1979 and in the 1970s, Winnipeg was a much different place. The times were desperate. This corner was void of activity, of business, of buildings. And something needed to be done that was dramatic. And for some reason, they felt that pushing people underground. You know, as a young person in Winnipeg, I remember the early 80s going down into that underground and renting movies from one of the few places that you could find a VHS tape. And it was an experience. So I feel like we still have to maintain that infrastructure down there. And in fact, we should try to find ways to enhance it. The whole discussion is about moving people across the street over it and forgetting that it's there. Let's find ways to do a bit of both. I'm like most Winnipeggers. I would love to walk across the street. But I also feel that we need to think about what's under that street and try to figure out the best way to get people under there because it's not accessible.
3: One of the things we often hear from people is that if we open it to pedestrians, everything that happens underneath there, there's, I think there's two or three dozen shops, restaurants, all the rest, that it will die. People will stop going there. Do you think that's the case, that all of a sudden we're just going to have people flocking and crossing the street by the thousands?
6: I don't think so. You know, I really think it's going to be a balance, but I do think we need to improve the flow of people in the downtown period, whether it's above the street, below the street. I think we can do a much better job. Again, people have talked about priorities. And yes, for sure, there's a tremendous number of priorities in our city that range from uh, urban projects to dealing with crime and all the rest. But again, we have to figure out what to do with this corner. The debate has gone on and on. It reminds me of the arena. Where are we putting the arena? Where are we putting the stadium? Often, Winnipegers don't rally behind a lot of issues, but for some reason, Portage and Main has grabbed the attention of Winnipegers and I think Canadians across the country. It's quite wonderful.
0: Well, traffic at the time was reported to be gridlock. We're going back to the 70s now, and some wanted pedestrians banned. The argument from many now is that if we allow people to cross the street again, it's going to just recreate gridlock.
6: Well, you know what? I spent a week uh, in Montreal just last month. And you know what? You interact with cars and people and the activity on that street, the intensity of it, you just live with it. I think people would live with the fact that they might be delayed momentarily, but often they won't. Again, it's not like throngs of people are going to be crossing that street right at uh, peak traffic. Yes, there'll be some interruptions, but there's interruptions on every intersection.
0: What would the best way, if they were to open the intersection, what would the best way to go, like would a scramble, for example, be the best way to do it?
6: I think once they open up that corner, they'll have the opportunity to tinker. I'd love to see some scramble. I'd like to see some diagonal crossing and see how it goes. Again, everybody wants people to cross safely. Everybody wants the downtown to continue. We've seen $3 billion of investment in our downtown over the last 15 years. There's tremendous momentum this is part of that groundswell of we want to see a different downtown.
3: The scramble in Toronto, which I've done it's basically the lights go on and it's pedestrian time so you can cross however you want to and when it's car time the cars go um it's an interesting way to move people but it it seems to me like it almost comes down to a debate now over and over again of cars versus people it's not about opening or closing in this intersection it's about whether you want to be in your car and drive fast or if you want to be a person or a cyclist and move safely and so it's sort of we still have this great divide between the driver and the cyclist and the pedestrian
6: I think that mindset is changing, though. I think we we cling to that 1979 issue that it was about freeway building in North American cities where we wanted to get people the heck out of downtown as quickly as possible. I think now the Winnipegger understands that coming to events downtown is different than it was in 1979. There's a tremendous number of people that are coming into the MTS center. Uh, taking in all the different amenities that we have in the downtown the destinations are much different again in 79 yes it was about getting out of downtown as quickly as possible but now, in 2018, it's really about creating different opportunities for people to engage in the downtown.
1: Gino Distasio, director of the Institute of Urban Studies at the University of Winnipeg, joins us now. We've made lots of mistakes along the way, Gino, when you talk about Portage Place stands out. For me, you mentioned the conversation surrounding an arena. The, the point of a go- downtown arena in the early 1980s was so contentious that the Forks uh, or the North Portage development explicitly in the documentation forbid an arena from bu- being built on that site. We know what the Forks has done. We have got some things right over the last three decades, the last four decades. This downtown, this intersection has changed dramatically. There was one building over th- 30 stories, and in 48 months or less, there will be four buildings of that height. Th- this, this city is not the same city it was 40 years ago, economically,
6: in terms of how we feel about it, th- so many ways. Absolutely. And we're going to continue to see great things in Winnipeg. And I still say we're going to make more correct uh, opportunities to change things than we're going to make mistakes and we're absolutely living with a lot of the past challenges of trying to do what i call desperation planning in winnipeg so the portage place what do we do let's build them all what do we do let's close the street so we struggled but we did make some really big hits as you mentioned the forks is a tremendous jewel and not only in the city but in north america it is a premier destination but that took 30 years to fill in and get it right this corner will never quite get it right and Winnipeggers will continue to flock here, whether it's a good or a bad event in this city. We might get it right this time if we take those barricades down, but I think what's happening now is people are talking about it because there's a lot of momentum in the city to do things right now.
0: Gino Distasio is our guest, director of the Institute of Urban Studies at the University of Winnipeg.
5: Various things,
0: whether or not Portage in Maine should stay open or closed. And right now, we want to introduce you to somebody who has something to say about
1: that. Well, I would say he has every right to have a powerful voice in this discussion. Frank Sherlock is executive vice president, property management at Artists Reit. He joins us now, and as we sit here, we can see at least. Three of your buildings, almost all of them, Frank, and just a touch of another one. Just give us an idea of how much property you own at this intersection. Well, we own 360
7: Main, which was known for many years as as the TRIZEC building. Um, And we also have the Shops of Winnipeg Square, which is the retail shopping center underneath 360 Main. Uh, 220 Portage, which you see across the street, is the Royal Bank building. Uh, 333 Main, which is the MTS, Bell MTS Tower, and 191 Pioneer, which is also occupied by MTS. And uh, not as well known as the Portage of Main building, but all but connected underground to Portage of Main is the Grain Exchange Building. It's a heritage building which you own in the Exchange District.
1: Which is a massive building it's huge. for those that yeah. have never been inside. Yes. So we're talking hundreds of thousands of square feet.
7: Uh, yes, um, probably in total uh, about a million and a half square feet.
1: So, where do you stand? Where
7: does our district stand on
1: the opening of Portage and Maine? <laughs> well,
7: um, it's just got to be done right, and that's been our um, that's been our uh, comment to the mayor, who, who came to us and thankfully uh, spoke to us about it. Uh, he uh, he said, you know, what what does it take to get your support uh, in opening the intersection? Because as you probably are aware, there's an agreement in place with. Um, the property owners Um, Art Street wasn't the original property owners but the agreements stay with the properties and there's um, so there was a concourse agreement which was uh, signed back in 1979 oh no signed in 76 but came into effect in 79 and that agreement said that the pedestrians had to be prohibited from crossing at Portage and Maine for 40 years from the opening of the concourse which was roughly October uh, 79. So that is coming up next year, that agreement. Um, however, um, there's been, as you know, a lot of talk about opening the intersection prior to the expiry of that agreement. You know, once the agreement is expired, we don't have any say in it. I mean, and so the city has come to us and said, well, will you support uh, an initiative to uh, open the intersection? And we said, yes, we will support it uh... but we want to see it done right well what does
3: that mean then? when you say doing it right what would that look like to you and what are you asking for should citizens vote yes in october well there
7: there's two parts to it there's the above grade, which is the intersection which is now closed cars only but there's a lot of people travel underground i mean we have almost a hundred thousand people a week coming through our retail concourse uh... and um... And those businesses underground, uh, their, their livelihoods, many of them, depend on, on traffic. It's retail. And uh, so, you know, we've spent, like our neighbors, the other property owners at Portage Maine, Main, quite a bit of money. In fact, uh, the, including the new tower that's going up now, we're a little over $200 million uh, in the last year at Portage and Main. So we've made a sizable commitment to uh, Winnipeg and the corner. And uh, we would like to see the the rest of the underground, the, the city-owned portion, fixed up. Uh, it's been there for over over 40 years open, and. There hasn't been any improvements or money spent. You're down there. talking
3: the part. Should you access Winnipeg Square? If you're coming from where we sit right now, you have right. to go around the, that circle. The and, roundabout and part. that's the city-owned city
7: portion of of the of the downtown. And part
3: of which floods on a regular basis, and, and all the there's rest.
7: leaks. Uh, the floors are '60s vintage style flooring. Um, the lighting is poor. I mean, it just. It, I mean, it was like all the other buildings that were built at that time. Uh, but it's aged, and, uh, and it needs repair, and it also needs upgrading. And um, our friends at 201 Portage have spent quite a bit of money. We've spent an awful lot of money. Um, also, we've just um, completely renovated uh, 220 Portage, the uh, Royal Bank building. We've uh, totally re-imaged the building with um, all new lobbies, main lobby, elevators. It's, it's a new building. Uh, and, uh, you know, we think that the connection between the buildings there shouldn't be a, a stark uh, difference when you go from one of our properties to one of our neighbor's properties. And that's, that's what we're concerned about, is that uh, it's got to be more than just putting up some lights and painting some lines on the road for pedestrians to cross. It's got to be done
1: right. Some genuine continuity exactly. between above ground, below ground, and then, of course, the properties yes. at grade and below grade. So it is an actual location slash destination. Am I putting right. words in your mouth here, well,
7: Frank? No, that's exactly right. That's what we want to see. And, um, and of course, the Exchange District is an important part of downtown Winnipeg. So we want to see good connectivity between Portage and Main and the Exchange District. Uh, you know, and And it's... Now it's you do have to go underground, but it's not very attractive.
3: So you've spent millions, though. Uh, 201 yes. spent, the concourse down there is where the new restaurants are. Right. You've, you've already spent a ton of money to make the yes. d- underground more attractive. I'm not going to, on the presumption, perhaps, that eventually people might come above ground because that's where this debate was going. It was going to happen. Pedestrians were going to come eventually. To that yep.
7: wasn't that wasn't the driving force. I mean, we, we have to um, in, in, in certainly with retail and and office leasing. But you have to keep your buildings modern. Um, and you've got a building that was um, opened up in 1980. Uh, you can't just let it sit. Uh, you, you know, if we're commercial landlords, we need to uh, constantly be improving and upgrading our properties. Otherwise, our tenants will flee to new buildings. So we have to recreate our buildings into new buildings and that's what we've been doing so in the final
0: minute that we have left here then i'm curious to know if
7: the intersection reopens would
0: you do anything new or different at ground level
7: well the the well the the geography isn't really right for us to do anything because our property goes really right out tight to the sidewalk and uh, on on the main street side the scotia branch Uh, actually we're not the owner of the branch itself Uh, so we don't we don't control that portion so we don't have a plaza at the front Uh, so we um, our our businesses are really only underground we don't have uh, we don't have a street front presence we are going to do some work along Fort Street though uh, as part of our new um, new developments Uh, we're building a middle building some more retail at grade on Main Street and, uh, and uh, you'll see quite a bit of improvement there. That whole area is going to get cleaned up as you walk along Ford Street. It'll look very nice.
1: We know that a big part of the proposal for that new apartment building is a grocery store. Anything you can tell us, Frank? <laughs>
7: <laughs> I wish I had something to tell you on that. Uh, it would be great, but well, we don't have anything signed up at this point.
0: Frank Sherlock, property owner, executive vice president, property management at Artis Reet. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate the visit. Thanks for having me. That was just a sample of what we did Wednesday morning outside 201 Portage, where we broadcast live on location, talking about Portage in Maine. If you want to hear more, go to the audio vault at cjob.com. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts,
3: and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.